Chapter 16 of Clinical Medicine for Nurses by Paul H. Ringer, A.B. M.D. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter 16 Cerebral Hemorrhage, Apoplexy, and Cerebral Thrombosis. Nature of the Conditions By cerebral hemorrhage is meant the escape of blood into the tissue of the brain by the bursting of one of its blood vessels. By cerebral thrombosis is meant the stopping up of one or more of the vessels of the brain by a clot or thrombus, thus depriving of its blood supply the area of brain nourished by the occluded vessel. These conditions occur usually in middle life or in old age, and have as their one great cause arteriosclerosis, high blood pressure coupled with inelastic unyielding vessel walls predisposed to hemorrhage while low blood pressure and the roughened interior of arteriosclerotic vessels result frequently in the formation of thrombi or clots cerebral hemorrhage and thrombosis may occur in the comparatively young thirty to forty if the arteries are sclerotic and this is especially apt to be the case in syphilitic subjects. Cerebral hemorrhage. Symptoms. The symptoms vary greatly in degree and depend upon the location and the size of the hemorrhage. If the hemorrhage is very large, the patient may drop dead. In less severe cases, the stroke may cause unconsciousness, persisting for several days, accompanied by stertorous breathing slow pulse and a hemiplegia i e complete paralysis of one half the body extending from head to heel the paralysis always occurs on the opposite side from the hemorrhage due to the crossing of the nerve fibers from one side of the brain to the other the face is paralyzed the smile is crooked the corner of the mouth being drawn over toward the sound side. The tongue, when protruded, points away from the side of paralysis. The arm, hand, thigh, leg, and foot on one side are incapable of any motion, and may also feel numb, or else be notably insensitive to touch. Depending upon the size of the hemorrhage, there may be various disturbances of speech, known as aphasia, the patient being unable to utter the word desired, unable to remember words, using the wrong word, e.g., saying hat for breakfast, shoe for toothbrush, etc., thus being wholly unintelligible. The functions of rectum and bladder may be interfered with, constipation being present, or else both urine and feces being voided involuntarily. In milder cases, the paralysis may be more localized, one arm, one leg, or the face only being affected, and at the time of the stroke there may be no unconsciousness. The course of the disease is subject to great variations. Complete recovery is not to be expected in a hemorrhage of any size, as a certain portion of brain tissue is always permanently destroyed. Usually there is some improvement for a while after the stroke, as portions of the brain affected slightly by the hemorrhage but not destroyed 
regain and resume their function. A period eventually is reached where no further improvement takes place, and the patient continues for an indefinite period in his paralyzed condition. Death occurs from successive strokes or hemorrhages, from exhaustion, from infection of bladder and kidneys, or from bed sores, which are very apt to occur, as the nutrition of the skin is often interfered with. Treatment. The patient suffering from an apoplectic stroke is to be put to bed, with the head high and the feet low. One of the objects of treatment is to draw as much blood as possible away from the brain. For this purpose, an ice bag may be placed on the head and heat applied to the feet. Free catharsis is desirable in order to abstract blood and to lower blood pressure. To obtain many bowel movements in an unconscious patient, croton oil is often used. Drugs to quiet the heart's action and reduce blood pressure, such as aconite and veritrum viridi, are frequently given. An ice bag over the heart is often effective. Some cases are benefited by bleeding, 12 to 16 ounces from a vein. Venisection. The nurse must be careful to frequently change the patient's position in order to lessen the likelihood of hypostatic pneumonia, as well as to lessen continued pressure upon any one spot on the skin. She must also pay particular attention to keeping the skin clean and dry which is often difficult because of the involuntary movements, as bed sores are apt to develop, and once present, to spread rapidly, and sometimes cause the death of the patient. The nurse must also report to the physician whether a sufficient amount of urine is being voided, as these patients often allow the bladder to become over-distended, and only the overflow of urine is passed. For their frequent restlessness, especially at night, sedatives are necessary, such as the bromides and chloral, and morphia must often be resorted to. Cerebral Thrombosis The symptoms of cerebral thrombosis are neither as marked nor as striking as those of cerebral hemorrhage, though in the end the damage done may be fully as great. If a vessel is gradually stopped up, the function of that part of the brain which it supplies is, of course, gradually interfered with. The symptoms depend entirely upon the location of the thrombosis. There may be weakness, numbness, or sense of pins and needles in a hand or arm, dizziness, thick, difficult speech, and any of the different forms of aphasia. Loss of consciousness is not the rule, though it may occur if the occluded vessel is very large. The thrombotic process usually spreads so that eventually hemiplegia may result. As in the case of apoplexy, perfect recovery cannot occur, as some portion of the brain is permanently damaged. If the process does not spread, certain parts of the affected brain tissue may regain their function by receiving blood from other vessels than the one that has become occluded, collateral circulation, but a certain amount of damage is irreparable. Treatment. As these cases are usually associated with low blood pressure, 
the object of treatment is the opposite of that advocated for cerebral hemorrhage i e it is desired to drive blood to the brain the head should be low and the feet elevated heat over the heart is advisable and profuse catharsis is usually not practiced stimulation is often indicated and in addition drugs to prevent constriction of the cerebral blood vessels of which nitroglycerin is the best example the remainder of the management of the patient differs in no way from that outlined under cerebral hemorrhage end of chapter sixteen